0: I'm Al Phil Reese, and this is Poem Talk at the Writer's House, where I have the pleasure of convening three friends to collaborate on a close but not too close reading of a poem. We'll talk, maybe even disagree a bit, and perhaps open up the verse to a few new possibilities, and we hope gain for a poem that interests us, some new readers and listeners. And I say listeners because Poem Talk poems are available in recordings made by the poets themselves as part of our Pen Sound Archive writing dot.upenn.edu/slash/pensound. Today I'm joined here in Philadelphia at the Kelly Writers House in our Wexler studio by Ahmad Amala, a poet whose amazing first book of poems, Bitter English, will soon be published by the University of Chicago Press, who is also a specialist in Arabic poetry and has written a book about Arabic love poetry called Pure and Sensual is a member of the faculty here at Penn in the Near East Languages and Civilizations Department and whose new collection of poems in progress, her book of recipes, is about in part the difficult intergenerational cross-cultural psychodynamics of parents and children and also about loss. And by Ellen Berman, clinical professor of psychiatry here at the University of Pennsylvania, who is the founder and director of training for the Center for Couples and Adult Families and president of the Association of Family Psychiatrists, has long been in private practice here in nearby Marion, Pennsylvania, and who has published widely on couples therapy, sexuality, and psychiatry and the family. And by Anthony Tony Rostain, Professor of Psychiatry and Pediatrics at Penn's Perlman School of Medicine and Medical Director of the Adult Neurodevelopmental Disorders Section, Co-Director of the Adult ADHD Treatment and Research Program, whose research interests focus on improving clinical outcomes for patients across the lifespan with neurodevelopmental disorders, and who has published several books, including a new co-authored volume on college mental health entitled The Stressed Years of Their Lives, Helping Your Kid Survive and Thrive During Their College Years. Tony, congratulations on that book, which Thanks is so not much. quite yet out. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. And you intended it for the parents. general audience, the title implies, right? Yes, yes, that's right. And can you, this is really unfair to you, but can you say in a sentence why such a book is necessary?
1: Well, because parents are are really frightened and unsure of what to do about the rise in the mental health issues that college-age kids are presenting. And uh, this is a book to help them understand
0: how they can be helpful. Fantastic. Ellen, hello. Welcome. This is like the second time at the Writer's House. In all these years,
2: it's lovely to be here. Thank you. And the first
0: time was Tony Kushner.
2: I came to hear Tony Kushner. That was a while ago. 2001. And the the place is gorgeous now. You've done an amazing job.
0: Thank you. I was fishing for compliments (laughs) and I got one from Ellen Berman. Let the record note Dr. Ellen Berman has complimented me. Ahmad, it's great to see you. You've been traveling,
3: but it's good to have you back here in Philadelphia. Thanks. So this is where I hope uh, to be living soon, at the writer's house. So. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations on the new book. Thank you. It's Thanks very so exciting. much. very I, exciting.
0: I happen to know that book in manuscript, and I'm really excited about it coming out and getting it into a lot of people's hands. Well, uh, thank you all for coming. We're here today to talk about a poem by Anne Sexton called The Ambition Bird. It was collected in the Book of Folly, published in 1972. And Sexton place this poem there as the very first poem in the volume, which may or may not mean something. I think it does. Sexton died by suicide in 1974, two years later. Uh, Our recording of Sexton performing this poem can be found on her Voice of the Poet album, and it is among a few of the later poems selected for that audio collection. And those late poems were recorded, as best we can tell, in 1972. So the voice of Sexton that we're about to hear and talk about is roughly contemporaneous with the writing of this poem. So here now is Anne Sexton performing The Ambition, Bird.
4: So it has come to this, insomnia at 3.15 a.m., the clock tolling its engine like a frog following a sundial, yet having an electric seizure at the quarter hour. The business of words keeps me awake. I am drinking cocoa, that warm brown mama. I would like a simple life, yet all night I am laying palms away in a long box. It is my immortality box, my layaway plan, my coffin. All night, dark wings flopping in my heart, each an ambition bird. The bird wants to be dropped from a high place like the Tallahatchie Bridge. He wants to light a kitchen match and immolate himself. He wants to fly into the hand of Michelangelo and come out painted on the ceiling. He wants to pierce the hornet's nest and come out with a long godhead. He wants to take bread and wine and bring forth happily floating in the Caribbean. He wants to be pressed out like a key so he can unlock the magi. He wants to take leave among strangers, passing out bits of his heart like hors d'oeuvres. He wants to die, changing his clothes and bolt for the sun like a diamond. He wants, I want... Dear God, wouldn't it be good enough to just drink cocoa? I must get a new bird and a new immortality box. There is folly enough inside this one.
0: Ellen, I want to ask you about uh, something that comes up twice. In the first page, really, the fourth stanza. she says, I want a simple life. Why can't I just have a simple life? And then later she says, why can't I just drink cocoa? when you hear that what do you think this is obviously a complicated person who's longing for something simple
2: this poem was written by a woman who was taught not to want much because all women of her age were taught not to want anything besides being home drinking cocoa having kids and she had this fierce ambition very much connected with immortality and death and the ambition was terrifying to her, and that tension between I want to be immortal, I want to stand for something, and I really should be home, not asking for anything, I think is the, from a woman's point of view, the tension in this poem. Wouldn't it be good enough to just stay home in my house, drink cocoa, and not have this thing inside me trying to get free, which also feels very connected with death and transfiguration.
0: So is it the case that she's not, Ellen, not sure whether she really believes that the best thing would be for her to have a simple domestic life? She's not sure that that claim is really what she wants.
2: I think she's pretty sure she doesn't want a simple domestic life. So
0: this is totally ironic then. Tony, um, this uh, struggle, as Ellen outlined it, really a a struggle that's endemic uh, for women in the society dealing with ambition, um, it's compounded by a difficult psychological situation. One of the symptoms, sorry to use that word, uh, one of the symptoms is insomnia, and yeah. that's where we start. Can you say something about sure. the insomnia? Sure. I mean, the,
1: the poem invites you right away to say, hey, it's three in the morning, and I'm, what am I doing up? I'm writing poems, and I'm writing poems that really, I can't stop myself almost. It's, I'm, I'm compelled to write them, and I'm struggling But I don't want to go to sleep because it's too important. Uh, And I might, in fact, regret it tomorrow, but it doesn't matter because right now
0: I am fueled by this energy. I want to stay with the insomnia for a second. Um, Ahmad, the business of words, (laughs) right? I mean, from what Tony was just saying, we've got, I'm up at night. I've got to write these poems, but it's not good for me. I know it's not good for me. Can you say something about your, this is,
3: you feel this too. Yeah, I mean, it does feel like it's uh it's a form of of madness to make this your business. This it being words. Words. Uh and I I love I love the expression, the the business of of words. Uh it's it's such an American way of 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 putting it. But she takes it uh you know, and, and this line to the kind of point of, of, of collapse where it's, it's almost ridiculous to make the business uh, uh, of, of words. It's actually not the first time that she uses the, the, the phrasing, uh, but I think in this particular uh, poem, it does feel like it's more urgent for her that she's thinking about why is she doing this to herself and uh i i I really think that the pressure on her of being a woman has to do with it but i think like every poet uh uh will question this business of words constantly is it really the right path is it really like am i am i really reaching anything uh with this Well, I'm going to turn back to Ellen for a response
0: to that, but I just want to turn the dial a little bit to bring in ambition because you started with that. So, yes, every poet has this problem like can I – is there really a business plan? She says layaway plan, which is a remarkable pun. Uh, Is this something that can be a life of productivity and so forth? But then added to it and making it that much more urgent is this whole question that a woman – Is going to feel at this time about how to deal with ambition expectations. So maybe you can respond and also start heading us toward this ambition bird.
2: Well, I think that for women, and particularly for this woman, being home not writing poems was not a simpler life. There was abuse in her past. There was an enormously complicated sexual life. There was an amazing amount of pain and depression. I mean, the insomnia is both the writing and probably the depression as well. And I I have a feeling, although I can't prove it, that for her actually writing poetry was simpler than the life she was in when she wasn't writing it. I mean, one can think of it in both ways. Uh, what's fascinating here is that ambition is a man, which is typical of women in the '50s and '60s, that you could not imagine yourself as an ambitious woman. You had to be more like a man, and all of the ambition is male.
0: And which not is only quite that, but fascinating. The ambition bird, the male ambition bird, takes over the poem. Mm-hmm.
2: Except he's flopping around, which I was kidding around with Tony that no man would have used that particular word.
0: Yeah, and let, let the record show that, that Ellen arrived today at the writer's house saying, "This is a poem written by a woman," and there's a lot of evidence for that, and not just uh, not just content and theme, but also word choice and so forth. Um, so, so that may raises
1: the question, though: Does she want a simple life? And if she does why can't she have it, okay? And she's sort of saying, this is my way of being alive, is to wrestle with this bird. Just it sound really was taken by what you said, because for her, poetry gives her life, may give her immortality as well, but it also enslaves her in some way. I mean, she's wrestling with this bird, and she's wrestling with this time going by and this seizure happening with this, you know, this... The electrical kind. I mean, the, these are sort of the. Uh, when I heard the seizure, I thought, did, did she have electroconvulsive therapy perhaps? You know, why would you introduce seizure at that moment? And I think Quite a word. these are very powerful images. And um, it's not like, oh, you know, it's 3 a.m., but all is well. No, I'm tormented, but I'm also liberated, in a way, because she's f- flying. I guess, for me, I always think about birds and
0: flight. And When and, birds and, appear in a poem, it's usually yeah, yeah. a flight of imagination. Yes, That's exactly. That's what's happening exactly, here. Exactly.
2: In this case, it's very much tied up with death. For those of you who are too young to know, the Tallahatchie Bridge was a famous song where uh, a young woman uh, committed suicide. So that the are echoes... Are sing it? Uh,
1: Tony can sing <laughs> Tony it. Tony can sing it. <laughs> Billy Joe McAllister jumped off, off the, the
0: Tallahatchie Bridge. Tallahatchie oh, man. The, <laughs> the people, people in the control room are loving this right now. Is writing poems in the middle of the night therapeutic in any sense? And is, is writing The Ambition Bird, this poem, therapeutic? You're going to answer the question... As a psychiatrist, okay. I think, and you're going to answer the question as someone who's up in the middle of the night writing poems, hoping to get some therapy out of it. Sorry, I just made okay. all kinds of No, that's of fine. I'm
1: happy to answer the and I'm official. I'm sure
0: Ellen's got something on I'll, this, I'll too. take
1: the, uh, the okay. prerogative of being the psychiatrist telling her, you know, when you stay up all night, that's really going to... Make your mood disorder worse, okay? Sleep is what you need. Probably more than anything else almost. More than your meds is a regular sleep cycle, right. which the medication hopefully enhances. But I wonder if she was messing around in order to stay up to write because that's when she didn't have to bother with her kids and her husband yeah. and, and all the rest. It's so, the only
0: quiet time. It's the poet's It's the time. only time. So I would And you say, want me to be healthy and well? doctor you need to let me write my poems that's right because that will if you take me away from my poems i have nothing
1: i would understand that therefore how can i help you write your poems without sacrificing your health your life that would okay. be the question i'd pose to her but it's By her the way, decision cocoa obviously. isn't
0: that not helping isn't cocoa full of stimulants? A stimulant yeah. yeah so like is this a death wish drinking cocoa instead of Chamomile tea? I don't know. Ahmad? She's
3: probably also smoking cigarettes yeah, with the Yeah, exactly. That's so this is gonna like going to keep her up. <laughs> yes. You know?
0: But that suggests the irony here. Like, I really have no intention of being well. I need to write these poems. Or maybe that's where wellness comes. Anyway, Ahmad.
3: You know, uh, I I would like to kind of shatter this this myth. <laughs> about poems as therapeutic. As poems being therapeutic. Uh, and I think Anne Saxton actually knows that. And and the devastating thing about uh, writing poetry, and this kind of uh, g- goes into the poem as these these birds flying all over the place, uh, in 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 various forms, is that each time you are writing a poem or attempting to complete a poem, you are facing a certain kind of death, and you need to kind of regroup from that and face death one more time uh, in the next poem. I have been writing about grief and, and, and specifically the loss of, of, of my mother recently. And, and every time I have finished one of those poems, I felt completely devastated. And I, I, I think she's going through the same kind of tension. Uh, she has this uh, belief in words that is not really reflecting that much on her day-to-day life. And, and that's really a, a struggle.
1: But I think for, for those of the two of us who practice therapy and for those that are listening that understand what it is, it's work. It's not On feeling both good. Sides, oh way. yeah. yeah. Therapy is not about feeling good. That's what people think. Therapy is about working through complicated issues, memories, relationships, dreams that are not that are that have had to be deferred or are broken down. So therapy itself, the word therapeutic has a fascinating sort of yeah. m- That's mystical was a bad, was kind a bad of question. notion to it. Yeah. So when you say it's not therapeutic, meaning it doesn't make
3: you feel better, I still would say, but it's still Bringing something of yourself out, yeah, and and, and I, I totally agree with that. It's it's a very very difficult thing to do, but you wanna you wanna wake up the next morning and do it again. Exactly. The word immortality is relevant here. Um, if you lay away these
0: poems in a long box, a coffin, your immortality box, and then you can't live any longer. Two years later, after this poem, she's gone. Please know. That we will open that box. And that is something maybe that b- brings her a little bit of solace. Doesn't relieve the pain at the moment. More than a little. More than a little solace. Now that leads her, Ellen, to that's that, that section about the long box layaway plan. But then she say, says it out coffin. And that leads us to the ambition bird. So the minute she thinks about immortality as a poet, she thinks about the whole problem of ambition. And that's really scary. If the poem had ended there, we would say, Wow, Anne's understanding herself and she's heading in the right direction. She's gonna she's not gonna survive her illnesses possibly, but she's gonna be a poet obsessively in the middle of the night, leaving stuff for us. But then the ambition bird comes and it makes things that much harder. Who wants to start?
1: Well, okay, we just one point yeah. about layaway plans because yeah. they're not around much anymore yeah it's like a deferred payment like i'm going to put a little bit of money down and i'm going to come back for it later so there is something about i'm putting stuff into this box that i hope pays off yes it in will terms of the business it, of words. It, it will increase in value yeah. and but it, how much it has. yes it has
0: sexton's poems have increased in value maybe but to her see i think she's wondering have i filled this box up enough now yeah. is this this goes back to ellen's first comment i think the business of words Here is a woman who is using the domestic situation, right, to produce—her factory is this table, kitchen table with the cocoa in the middle of the night, and producing words that will be a long-term proposition Mm -hmm. for her ambition.
2: And I think the critical thing is there are two—a couple of lines toward the end of the poem which really pick up the tension— which is, he wants to take leave among strangers, passing out bits of his heart like hors d'oeuvres. And then next to that, die changing his clothes and bolt for the sun like a diamond. So the, you can feel all of these tensions between I am giving myself away on a platter in little pieces. Mm-hmm. Versus I am mm. painted on the ceiling, which is another kind of death, right? Because you're flat and you're dead but people can look at you forever. So she's trying to figure out in all these different ways what in Blazes is this all about? What does it leave me? Who am I? And you can just feel how she's being pulled and the whole issue about death and grief and am I not good enough and, you know that you you can feel them all in those few lines. It's amazing. Damn,
0: Ellen. Would you like to start a new career and just do literary criticism? <laughs> Actually, you know, that's my first thought, Tony. My second thought is she's already doing this. This is what a great therapist does, right? They're interpreting what you're saying, and you just did it brilliantly if i may say well let me echo one other point which how can is you run up bird, that <laughs> no i can't but the bird meaning the is the
1: bird is she the bird or is the bird some part it's of not her? clear is it? that's right but what this bird ends up being for her is her her way out okay this bird it's keeping me up but this bird is taking me Almost in the
0: tradition of the poet, the the poet bird taking flight. But
1: then what does she do at the end? She goes, well, maybe I need a new bird. You know, like maybe I need to do this differently. There's some aspect in this that's questioning of of it all, I think. She's wondering, is it worth the price that this bird is making me pay? uh, Because maybe I need a different
0: immortality. And there is folly enough inside this one. The book is called The Book of Folly. And this is the first poem. So we are at a critical point there. Who wants to translate that last line? There is folly, Ahmad. There is folly enough inside this bird. I want to get. I want to get a new bird, but there's folly enough here.
3: Can you make any sense of that? there uh, there's there's definitely kind of a, a conflation between the poet and the poem, in 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 how the the birds. Kind of transforms from one couplet to the, to the other, uh, and she's you know I think a, a, as a poet she's she's completely obsessed with the idea of uh, taking the poem to the 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 furthest possible uh, achievement as as a poem, but then she is also kind of pulled back by the fact that she is she is the 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 poet and she's she's really she's really kind of you know in between these two currents and i i think i think at the end she wants to just give it all away i mean she and and there's folly enough inside this one i i i i just want to drink hot cocoa <laughs> i i it's it it kind of comes down to this like the whole tension between where can I take the poem and how can I perform being the the poet uh, really becomes too much for her, and she just you know she she just wants a different bird
2: <laughs> another way to think about it, and I think that's absolutely if you want to turn it again this way by definition, for a woman of this age, and believe me, I was at the end of this, so I remember how this felt anything that you did that had to do with ambition, you were probably wrong and it wasn't as good as. Uh, When I went to medical school, I was told very clearly that is a very masculine thing to do. And I felt like less of a woman for about 10 years after that. So the issue of... and, And she was very, very conscious. She got quite famous and she was very conscious of that. And it bothered her when it wasn't enough. And so I think that the... The follies is both. Uh, why am I doing this? This is too hard. I want to be home. And maybe it's not good enough. Maybe this is all ridiculous. Maybe you know, because ambition is all tied up with dying. You know, maybe and I'm actually flying killing, too killing high, yourse- not just killing dying, yourself. killing
1: yourself. He wants to immolate himself. You know, these are these are not just. Oh, he flies till he drops. You know, like, boy, ambition's going to take me there. And even if I die on the way, no, this is actually self-destructive ambition. Light, a
2: kitchen match and and and, and, and
1: what yourself. I yeah, and what I was wondering is something we talked about before coming into the studio was, you know, was she already sensing the end of her life or the sense of it being um, not gonna end prettily because she's giving voice here to what I would call the dark the dark fantasies, right? These are really about death—not just death, but of self-destruction. And is that what? It, now, one way to think of it is how, you know, Ellen just said: is being ambitious as a woman in itself going to cause you some t- some harm? On the one hand, or is her ambition to celebrate her self-destruction because that's actually what she's all about? And how? Her, she even got into it in the first place was after she tried to kill herself. So it's almost like a lot of her poems, and this one is elegant in this way, is it condenses. Like you said, it's condensing a lot. But I think at the core is this struggle to talk about her suicidal impulses in a way that we can tolerate it in a way. But at the same time, I mean, when I first read this, I almost recoiled at it because it felt like, oh, my God, she's in a lot of pain.
3: Yeah, that's the psychiatrist. I, that's the psychiatrist in me. <laughs> well, you
0: can't take the psychiatrist out of. <laughs> can't
3: you. take that psychiatrist no. out of me. <laughs> I mean, ah, I, I you know just just thinking about what uh, Ellen said, she wants to perform the role of the poet with all what that really in, entails, but as a woman, and that must have been a lot of pressure. Uh, mm. And I and I think I think in a lot of ways that was asked of her to reveal. Uh, herself more and more as a woman poet. But I think, at the same time, uh, she kind of had a reservation towards that. She didn't really want to play that kind of role, but she ended up playing it. And it I must have caused her a lot of pain, I think. Yeah, I, you know, look, if, if, if we could wave a magic wand and...
0: Wipe out our knowledge of Anne Sexton, all the psychiatric treatment and the medication and just the reputation and read this poem. It's possible that what Ellen is saying is even righter and truer than we thought, which is, you know, I, I, not only have I read The Feminine Mystique, but I've taught the book. So I've really got it, you know, I wouldn't say memorized, but I really its mm-hmm. lots and lots Head and on. lots and lots of stories of women who are who have perfect psychic health who are driven, quote-unquote, mad, whatever that means, by the whole problem of ambition and by the social expectations. And I'm not saying this about Anne Sexton. She comes to this with all of her difficulties, right? But it couldn't have been easy to solve those difficulties when she's got this extra layer of problem, this pathologization of women who are ambitious, The ambition bird, if read that way, is a big social, not just a poetic, but a social construct of the thing that can drive women who have ambition crazy without all the extra stuff. I wonder if maybe sometimes we overread Sexton's um, clinical problems.
2: One of the fascinating things about this discussion is that It is easy to get into an either-or. Is this a cultural Mm -hmm. issue or a psychodynamic issue? And as all of us work in multisystemic layers, the fact is it's both, which is there's a huge cultural and gender issue here. But even so, most people struggling with ambition don't pair it that clearly with suicide. So there is no question that there is a that she was very depressed, that she had a history of abuse that, and trauma, which, and really was very seriously thinking about killing herself for a long time. And I think what's so fascinating about this poem is you can read all those layers into it, the psychodynamic layer, the cultural layer, the personal layer, and this fascinating language. And it's really important to hold all of those in one's hand.
4: I would like a simple life, yet all night I am laying palms away in a long box. It is my immortality box, my layaway plan, my coffin. All night, dark wings flopping in my heart, each an ambition bird. The bird wants to be dropped from a high place like the Tallahatchie Bridge. He wants to light a kitchen match and immolate himself. He wants to fly into the hand of Michelangelo and come out painted on the ceiling. He wants to pierce the hornet's nest and come out with a long godhead.
3: I thought the the, the, the poem kind of even structurally uh, looked uh more reflective than her other previous uh, works. It, it, it's definitely kind of an interruption of, of, the, of the voice of Anne Sexton because you, you find in the previous works a lot of kind of big blocks of, 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 of words, stanzas that are kind of, you know, like just full of her voice. But I think in, in this one, she arrives at a kind of a moment of crisis. And she's probably raising all of these questions that we've talked about, and it kind of slows down the voice of Anne Sexton, and you you find these kind of you know stanzas that are made of three lines, and then it even becomes much much slower with the couplets, with that breaking into the couplets with with all the, beginning with, he wants, yeah,
0: which is an unusual strategy for her. Uh, Tony, I I have one more question, then we're going to go around for final thoughts because. At some point, we have to leave this room. It just oh, this, is really? mu- this is too much.
2: No, this really too much fun. This is really fun. All right, let's go. Hour. Let's go on longer. But the
0: Tony, given what Ahmad just said, which is, I'm going to read into it something further. Which is, I think this poem, which starts a new book in 1972, and this is near the end of her life. That's so at the beginning of that first word. So powerful, so moving in the sense of. Um, I know that the poem is not therapeutic, but in the sense of therapy as a mode, it's almost like, okay, where did we leave off last week? Yeah. So, so it is, so it has come to this. That's so is like an in, therapeutic in media race. Like we, we, we were in the middle of this conversation, yes. and it... we are as people who are reading the collected poems. And now, so it has come to this. Like, okay, this is my last shot at this, and I'm really ramping it up. You want to do something with that? So that's a familiar. So, so isn't is
1: it? is a conversation like we're we're getting back into our conversation, right? And we have I'm, a relationship. I'm, we have a relationship, and I'm letting you in on this. You're here with me, right? Here it is. It's three fifteen
0: in the morning. And even it, Tony. Yeah, so is already a funny word, but it, it is like you and I have been talking about this for months, for years. So
1: it's now come to this meaning. This a momentous. This is a momentous point.
0: I think when she's doing this, Ellen, she's saying, I'm not saying this is about a therapy session. No. But I'm hearing that, right? I'm hearing that tone. So it has come to this dash. Okay. And now reporting on recent, you know, like what's it been like lately? Insomnia at 350. I was doing this and I was feeling suicidal. And it really feels it's as close as I've ever come as a reader of poetry about mental illness to hearing the voice of a person who's reaching out but not reaching out to the therapists reaching out to the readers.
1: Well, it also has that threatening could this be a suicide note? Yeah, so, you want to get to that? Well, I'm just saying, I'll, I'll let Ellen chime in, but you said what does the so it has come to this? Yeah. You that doesn't uh, That grabber, sounds real Oh my like, god, I'm about it's like to do you something. better listen here.
3: And you know, that that also uh, could be a way of reading the last line there's there's folly enough inside this one. I mean, what are, what are my options? <laughs> is, is it possible, Ellen, for a poem to be a cry
0: for help?
2: It is certainly possible, but this doesn't feel like
0: a cry for help. It feels like part of the feels ambition feels to be like a great poet. I am
2: trying to tell you what the hell is going on with me so you will know and I can get it out.
0: We could do this for hours, (laughs) but what I'm going to ask you to do, and it's been so great, what I'm going to ask you to do is, each of you, one final thought, something you came today to want to say but didn't get a chance because the direction of the conversation didn't go that way. So who wants to start a final thought? Tony, you look like you have one.
1: So, uh, yeah, I I guess just to think about how easily we are pushed into doing things that we later regret— because the ambition bird is taking us there and we really ought to learn how to live with it in a a less tormented way, that sometimes ambition isn't all that it's meant to be. It's not as great as your ambition lets you to believe it is. And for the listeners here, I think it would question, like, what are the things that compel us to keep doing more and more and more when, if you think about it, how satisfied are you by all that you're doing, and is that really a deferral of, of, of work you need to do within yourself, you know, kind of learning to be more self-compassionate. And I would think that that's what she needed, that she probably didn't get from even writing volumes and having hours of therapy. I'm not sure, I think, because in those days, therapists didn't teach patients how to practice mindfulness, self-compassion, the things we do now, which is to really get people to understand that no matter what they do, it's still who they are that they're struggling with. And there's a confusion there, you know, especially in this day and age where who we are in the world, how we look to others is all about, you know, how how we're valued from the outside, us, everyone looking at us rather than us looking out at the world and saying, hey, I'm here and that's fine, you know, Mm. I don't need to do a whole lot more.
2: You know, Tony, you you just reminded me of my biggest struggle as a therapist because when people come to me, they're in pain. And what I try to do is help them moderate, understand, find a place in the mean. But actually, a huge amount of the really great work of the world is done by people who don't give a damn about that and who are willing to immolate themselves. And sometimes I wonder if what I'm doing doesn't give them the space to go, you know, all the way out. And I figure if they come to me, they know who I am. And if it doesn't fit, they can leave. But I really do think, like the ambition bird here, that although many people fall off the bridge and fall into it without leaving an immortality box, the truth is that a great deal of the world's best work is done by people okay. who are not asking those questions. They're just reminds taking the, the bird and going. That,
1: reminds me of the psychiatrist <laughs> in Equus who's questioning, "Am I making?" this guy normal and am I losing an artist in the process? You know?
0: There's been let the record show there's been an implicit plug of traditional psychoanalytic thinking there with Equis. Uh, Which that was neither a great, of us do.
4: <laughs>
0: no let, let the record show that <laughs> let as well. Neither but, of us do um, that. <laughs> that that was your final thought. You added to his.
3: Great. Thank you. Ahmad, final thought? Well I mean it, it's been it's been great discovering Anne sexton because when you uh uh told me to read this poem i i just Wait, did i tell you to do it well you i mean
0: volunteered didn't you? i
3: volunteered you told me i i i take uh, orders uh <laughs> i love reading poetry so i i read this poem and i didn't know you know how to place it and in, in 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 the voice of Anne sexton and in general so i i I just bought the collected uh, poems and I started reading, and it was it was really wonderful reading Anne Anne Sexton and and I don't know I feel like uh, these broken figures uh, such as uh, Anne Sexton uh, in American literature who happens to be a, a woman and struggling with all of these pressures of 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 being a woman. Uh, they are just, you know, uh, wonderful voices because they take the facts of the world and they place them in the self. And that's a very difficult kind of poetry to write. It is very easy to kind of put on the pretense and say, I am the poet and I'm going to be reducing the world. But Anne Sexton doesn't do that. And Sexton takes on the much more difficult kind of poetry and is affected by the world and is trying to place the world within the self. And it's devastating, but it's beautiful stuff.
0: My final thought is about wanting. You know, when we get to the second part of the poem, the bird wants, the bird wants, the birds. You know, you want to shout like, I don't care what the bird wants. What do you want? Right. And then that section ends with he wants, I want, which is a Grammatical declension. There, it's a testing out about who gets to want. Um, but that cuts it off. That's there's a period there. And dear God, wouldn't it be good enough to drink just to drink cocoa? She's not really going to go to what I want. It's the ambition bird really gets to say what it wants. And of course, what it wants is all kinds of self destructive, foolish things. But in the middle of all that is Michelangelo. Like so, you've got. Tallahatchie Bridge, so that's a reference to sort of famous pop culture suicide site. Then you go back into the kitchen where she's probably sitting now. Uh, he wants to light a kitchen match and immolate himself. But then the Ambition Bird wants to be at the top of the Sistine Chapel. I find that heartbreaking that she would go from this Ambition Bird dragging around all these concepts of suicide and then and then, at the, without taking a pause, wanting to do something completely, utterly immortal. Um, it turns out that what the, the ambition bird wants is partly what she wants. She just can't really decipher it. Well, we like to end poem talk with a minute or two of Gathering Paradise, which is a chance for us to spread wide our narrow hands to gather a little something really good, to hail or commend someone or something going on in the world. It can be poetry. It can be art. It can be a book you read. It can be anything that you're excited about. And I wonder who wants to start, gather some paradise. Ahmad al
3: Well, uh, I don't know how to go about this, but I, I would recommend for everybody who is in love with poetry not to read individual poems of poets. Take on the collected poems of these poets that you love and read from beginning to end because you're going to discover gems that nobody knows about. I have been discovering this with Anne Sexton and many, many other uh, poets and that's the only way to read poetry, in my opinion. So this is my moment of gathering. Paradise. I love that.
0: You're making. A, you're recommending that people read a lot of poems. Yeah. So, Tony, I'm, gather some paradise. First of all, can I just say that having you here is paradise. So we, we could thank just, you so much. Can we just stop?
1: You can be the paradise. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, speaking of death and immortality and. Um, have we been speaking the about pondering oh, pondering, pondering the finality of days. I, I've, I've picked up a book a friend of mine gave me by Parker Palmer, who does write some beautiful poems, but he's also a deeply humanistic thinker. And it's called On the Brink of Everything. And it's really his reflection as an 80-year-old man on what it means to be at this later stage of life, where... Instead of writing, wanting to fight the dying of the light as he wanted to do when he was younger, a la Dylan Thomas, he's beginning to understand how do I collaborate with this slow, steady process of reaching the end in a way that is collaborative with death rather than fighting it to seeing it as part of life. It's a very powerful book. Say the, say the
0: book again. It's called On the Brink of Everything. Fantastic. Thank you, Tony. Ellen, gather some paradise.
2: Um, Right before we started, Tony showed me a website that had some more of... And I wonder if you could uh, say what the website is, because I think
0: people should see it. Pensound.
1: Yes, it's the Pensound uh, writing.upen.edu. Slash Pensound. Yeah, and it's got a really fascinating uh, So we just added uh, a
0: series of videos, including... a really newly accessible this is yeah. very new of Anne sexton at home right reading, reading her poems reading her poems uh, playing with her kids and playing with her kids yeah.
2: so i think everybody should look at that because it was amazing thank you
0: fantastic <laughs> that was a great recommendation um well i i, I just want to uh commend um let's see how do i put this without being too local or parochial um I just want to say three cheers for anyone at the University of Pennsylvania involved in psychiatry and uh, being part of the conversation that's on campus about about how important it is to help young people in particular who are struggling. And we have two people in the room, you and I do it in our own ways. Ahmad, yes, but you, the, do. Two yes pe- you do. Yes, you do. Thank you. But two, that's two two people in this room who've been really devoted to that, particularly at Penn. And uh, just a second congratulations to Tony on this new book, which is relevant to what I just said. Uh, and say the title again, Tony. It's called The Stressed Years of Their Lives, Helping Your Kid Survive, Survive and Thrive During Their College Years. Good. And who's publishing it? St. Martin's Press. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And a final plug, uh, Ahmad Al-Mala's book, first book, Bitter English, will be out maybe by the time this poem talk uh, appears, and I highly recommend it. I just want to say, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I just want to say that the the Bitter English comes from this problem of... um, Which language is my language? And if I choose a language that might not be thought of as my language, how bitter are those words? And you can actually taste the bitterness of the words. And yet there's this full embrace of English, which is a really beautiful language, ultimately. And no more beautiful than written, chosen, words chosen by what I might call an exophonic poet, a poet who's deliberately writing in a language that is not home. As a way of understanding word by word what exile feels
3: like uh, Well, you read it, so you
0: know you I guess uh, I just wrote a blurb. <laughs> Thank you. But I, 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 I'm almost I'm, I've got if I talk more about this book, I'll get tears in my eyes, but I think that the that the the um, the goal here is to, is to for all of us to to read a poem and realize what it's like to struggle with the very words and and also the what the words culturally and nationally and politically represent so
2: so we will all do a poem talk on it hopefully soon. Yes. Mm.
0: <laughs> do you hear that, Al? Uh, I hear it. Well, that's all the insomniac business of words we have time for on Poem Talk today. Poem Talk at the Writers House is a collaboration of the Center for Programs in Contemporary Writing and the Kelly Writers House at the University of Pennsylvania and the Poetry Foundation, poetryfoundation.org. Thanks so much to my guests, Ellen Berman, Ahmad Almala, and Tony Rostain, and to Poem Talk's directors and engineers today. Zach Cardner and Leah Baxter and Mary Osholano and to Poem Talk's editor, the same amazing, Zach Cardner, and a shout-out to Nathan and Elizabeth Light for their generous support of Poem Talk. Next time on Poem Talk, I'll be talking with Adrian Raphael, Julia Block, and Jennifer Firestone to talk about Maggie Nelson's amazing book, Bluets. This is Al Filreis, and I hope you'll join us again for that or another episode of Poem Talk.